Kia from your Every Nation Southside family here in Papa Toi Toi, Auckland. You are now listening to a podcast from our church service and we pray that you will be blessed by it. For more information, please visit our Facebook page or feel free to contact our church office. If there's a message that I want to leave with you, it's this message. And it's a message that I entitled, Above All Else. Above All Else. One of the things that I really enjoy doing on my off time is, is I love archery. I am the biggest uh, Robin Hood there is. The, the Robin Hood from the hood, okay? And, and I, I absolutely love archery. And so on my off days, I just love to shoot. And, you know, I just love, I, I shoot a compound bow, and it's an 80-pound bow, which is, is extremely hard to pull back. I mean, it takes, some, some of my friends try to pull it, and it's like, man, I can't budge this thing. And I, I love that because no, only me can use it. Amen. And so, so when I pull it back and I draw it, and it just, it goes, it's fast. And I love archery. And for some reason, when I got into it, and I purchased my bowl, for some reason, in the middle of my bowl, there's, there's this thing called the rest. And every time you draw the string back, the rest, the rest is where the arrow sits on. And it pops up, and for some reason, okay, every time I would shoot my bow, it was always hitting to the right. And I was constantly going to the right, so I had to actually aim left to actually get it to the center. And I didn't like that. And, of course, if you're off at 10 meters, you're, gonna be, you're not even going to be on the target at 100 meters. Come on, somebody. Right? So, so I, I went to the bowsmith and I asked him, I said, hey, listen, can you look at my, my bowl? Because for some reason, um, it's always shooting to the right. And obviously, older gentleman, he looks at me, he looks at the bowl, he looks at me, he looks at the bowl, he said, well, it could be that you're just a horrible shooter. <laughs> no, no, that's impossible. <laughs> and he goes, um, okay, let me check. So he puts an arrow inside of my, my bowl and he begins to aligned it, and he was aligning towards the target, and he said, oh, okay, okay. So he went to the heart of my bowl. The rest is right in the center of the heart of the bowl. And he, he realized that, you know what, that for some reason, whoever put this bowl together, the, the, your, 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 your rest, your, the heart of your bowl, is two, cent, two millimeters pointed to the right. And although it's just two millimeters, the, the farther the distance of the bow, it, it, the farther off you're going to be to the right. And so he had to make an adjustment at the heart of my bow, which is called the rest. He had to make an adjustment just to center it so that when I shoot my bow, it would hit the center. All right. The Bible tells us in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, guard your heart above all else. For it determines the course of your life. Guard your heart. Everybody say, guard your heart. Interesting, this morning on our worship uh, time, the, the song about creating me a new heart. And there's prayer about the heart. And, and there's so much about the heart. And yet, the Bible tells us, above all else, guard your heart. This is a good message for everyone here. Guard your heart. For it determines the course of your life. The greatest course is to follow the path and the purpose of God upon your life. 
But if you want to be in the center of God's will, you got to make sure the heart is in alignment with God. Because your heart determines the course of your life. If the heart is troubled, life is troubled. If heart is good, life is good. Man, that's so simple. Life is simple. Bible is simple. If the heart is good, life is good. If the heart is open, the heavens are open. In the book of Deuteronomy, it constantly speaks about the heart, that if you are disobedient and you are hearted towards God, that, that the, the heavens will be like steel and the grounds will be like bronze. I don't know about you, but in my life, I want to make sure that the heavens are open. right? So the, the heavens are open unto me, not closed. Preach, Pastor Joe, preach. It's a good message for me, right? Proverbs 4, guard your heart. Why? Because the, when the heart is off, light, everything will be off. And so it's so important that when God gives you a new heart, then now our responsibility is to guard your heart. Guarding our families is important. Guarding your children is important. Guarding your spouse is important. Guarding your pastor is important. Guarding your church is important, but not nearly as important as guarding your heart. Guard your heart, for it determines the course of your life. So if you evaluate your life right now, as I'm speaking to you, you're, you're already naturally evaluating your life. And if you don't like the way your life is going, perhaps it comes back to the state of your heart, the condition of the heart. So I want to talk about this. Psalms 139, the psalmist tells us, it says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thought. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. See, a lot of times we say, hey, man, it's, man, it's all about the heart. But, well, you got to be careful. <laughs> the Bible says you got to make sure that you search your heart. Obviously, I've, I've, every time I open God's word, I'm not only reading the word, the word is reading me. I read the Bible, the Bible reads me. If there's anybody, I can try to deceive, I can try to put mask on, and I can try to pretend everything is good, but when I read the word, the mirror of God's word looks back at me. I see the reflection of my heart. And I see whether it's in a good condition or in a bad condition. Come on, somebody. How many of you guys stared in the mirror this morning? How many of you realize you need to make some adjustments this morning? It was a good adjustment this morning, right? You stared in the mirror and go, whoa! <laughs> some of you guys had some things you guys had to get off the eye. Some of the droolers, you had to get some things off. Uh, some of us who have hair, you had to, you know, adjust the hair. Those of you who like Pastor Ulu, you didn't have to worry about a thing. Come on, somebody. But see, it's good to search the heart. It's good to allow the Spirit of God to search the heart. Because sometimes the heart can be deceptive. It can deceive you. It can make you think that all's well, but all's not well. Right? The Bible tells us in Jeremiah 17 that the human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? But I, the Lord... Search all hearts and examine secret motives. I give all people their due rewards according to what their actions do. See, God searches the hearts and he can point out the fact that we're being deceived by our heart right now. Right? Remember, we got to make sure that the heart is right because we want our course to be in the center of God's will. Center of God's will. 
Sometimes we got to make decisions and we, we got to know what the will of God is in our lives. And as long as our heart is well, we won't get deceived. Amen. Tell the person next to you, I think the pastor's talking to you this morning. Amen. So let's, let's do something this morning. Let's do something. Let's check out our heart. Let's do a heart check. The same way we go to the doctor uh, periodically to get an annual check. Uh, let's check our heart to make sure that the heart is well. Are you guys ready? All right, number one. Let me ask you several questions here that are part of the heart check. Number one, am I carrying any guilt? Am I, am I carrying any guilt? I like to say that if you're feeling guilty, it's probably because you are. <laughs> because you ate something you're not supposed to eat last night. Come on, somebody. Or you drank something you're not supposed to drink last night. Or you saw something you're not supposed to see last night. Or you said something to your spouse before you came to church. So the worship was on, man. I was, whew, the worship was, hallelujah. I could feel God's presence. And, and yet, because I feel guilty because I said something to my wife before I jumped in the car, now I feel like, man, I feel so guilty. I don't feel like I'm worthy to, to worship. But see, that's where the devil, you, the devil steals God's glory, and you don't want to do that. So what do you do? What's the solution to guilt, right? See, because the psalmist says in Psalm 32, Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. When I refuse to confess my sin, my body wasted away, and I groaned all day long. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. See, the thing about guilt is if you're feeling guilty because you did something you're not supposed to do, you break God's law, there's this, you start losing your strength. You lose your conviction. You lose your power. And now you're, you know, sometimes I can look at somebody's eyes and I can see something's wrong because now they're kind of walking like a dog with their tail tucked in between their legs. Something's wrong. What, what, what did you do? I didn't do anything. No, no. There's no confidence on you. I know something's wrong. And this is a, the, the great solution to guilt is repentance. Everybody say repentance. Repentance is a good thing. I don't know about you, but I'm, also, I'm so used to watching television when I was young, and the preacher was all the way, repent. <laughs> so I, I was all scared. Every time somebody said repent, I tried to hide because it was always pointing at me, right? And yet repentance is a great word. It's a great thing. I mean, it's like showering every day. How many of you guys enjoy showering? Smell the person, get the smell. Okay, okay, all right. Okay, see, so it's a good thing to jump in the shower, right? Because during the day, we don't realize there's dust particles that's flying around, dirt flying around, and you may even be like work, working in the office, but man, there's, they, dirt just gets on you. And not only that, we all perspire. Even you beautiful women, you all perspire, right? And, and if you... If, you pile enough up, you get stinky, you get funky, right? And so it's a good thing to shower. But it's the same thing with the spiritual condition of your heart. That when, when you are feeling guilty and you pile it up, you pile it up and you keep trying to suppress it and you're trying to try to hide it. It's kind of like a beach ball that you're trying to hold under the water, but eventually it's going to pop up. <laughs> it's going to pop up in your life. And so you've got to deal with that guilt. If you have broken God's law, if you have done something you're not supposed to do, then repent. 
point to the person that you repent now. Come on, say, say, say look at it, repent. Give him the finger. Oh, not, not the other finger, the other finger, yeah. <laughs> right? Acts chapter 3 says, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Perhaps some of us here this morning, man, you've been piling things up and you have not repented. Man, it's time for you to be refreshed. Man, let, get your heart back centered again. It's, it's off centered right now. Get it centered by repenting. To make, why? Because the heart determines the course of your life. If your heart is off, life will be off. Amen. All right, number two, you guys getting something out of this? Next question of the heart check, am I harboring anger towards someone? Oh, oh. my wife shared a little bit about our women's meeting yesterday. She said, oh, this area was a little sensitive for all of us, right? Because many of us can be so sensitive that we get offended by people, and we can even be offended by people even in our family. Come on, somebody. Even in our workplace, even at school, even in church. We can get, we can get, we can get very angry. We can get very upset, right? The problem about Polly's getting angry, it can get very dangerous. <laughs> so it's good for us to, to get rid of the anger so that we can stay on course. Come on, somebody, right? Because James chapter 1 says, So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. And there's something about our heart that we all get affected by situations in life where it's, we can get offended, we can get hurt. And when we get hurt, you know, we want to hurt somebody. Come on, somebody. You hurt me, I'll hurt you, right? You, show, you throw a spear at me, I'm going to pick it up and throw it back. And we don't realize we get caught up in this vicious cycle of anger and that anger is passed on generation to generation. And, and man, I tell you, in my family, there's so many of my siblings that were constantly incarcerated and thrown in prison because of our temper. <laughs> because we were mad. What are you mad about? I don't know. I'm just mad. <laughs> what are you mad about? I don't know. Man, what's up? What, what's up? You want some of me? <laughs> We're just mad. And, you know, we don't, you know, when I, when finally when I gave my heart to Christ, I, man, I began to realize, man, there was so much resentment and bitterness that I had held, even against people in my family. For me, it was mostly with my dad. I loved my dad, and my dad was a great provider for my family, and he was the nicest man, but when, when he got the fire water in him and he got drunk, he was a totally different man. And for years as a young boy, I became his punching bag. And I got hurt so bad that several centimeters of my, above my left eyebrow, I still wear a scar from, from, from an incident that I got beat up from my dad. And so for many years, I didn't realize that I was angry. And, and I remember when I met my wife, I was like, why do you want to fight everybody? I don't know why. Why? Why? You want to fight too? <laughs> you always want to fight everybody. What are you mad about? 
And I couldn't answer her until when I got with my mentor and he began to take me through the scriptures. And I, man, I didn't realize I carried all this resentment all these years. And I'm so mad. I'm so angry at my father. And man, I, I had to release my dad. I had to forgive my dad. And that wasn't easy. But man, when it happened, man, I felt like, man, I felt like I was a, a 200 200 kilos, 100 kilos lighter. 200 kilos, I still probably weigh 200 kilos. Anyway, but, uh, but I was so mad and so angry. And see, if we're carrying anger in our hearts, and some of it may be really deep-rooted anger, and some of us, it may just be something that you're mad at. Somebody posted something on Facebook about you or about your team, and now you're all upset. So every time you see a post from that person, and you want to, your fangs and your claws come, right? <laughs> Wait until the opportunity comes, I'm going to post something about them, right? And, and so, but you don't realize it may be just a petty thing to you, but it is actually affecting you. And part of us searching our hearts and when we read the scriptures is meant for me, when I get into an argument with my wife, and most of the time she's wrong, and most of the time I'm right, but, <laughs> but when we get into a spat or and in an argument, man, the thing that God does with me is that when I try to go and study for my message on Sunday, God blinds my eyes that when I read the scriptures, I don't get anything. He plugs my ears that I don't hear anything from heaven. And I'm like, God, why, you, why aren't you speaking to me? <laughs> and then I begin to, to search my heart. And I said, oh, she's just being stubborn. <laughs> let, her, let her rot in her anger. <laughs> I want her to come to me and repent of her sin. <laughs> I am the man of God. <laughs> let her repent. Convict her soul. And I try to read, I try to pray, I try, I, it's like it's hit the ceiling. It doesn't, nothing happens. Then I realize what I got to do. I got to humble myself. Oh, man. Oh, man. Again, again. Fall on your sword. Humble yourself. Make things right. And it may seem like a small thing, but, man, it, it affects your, your, your spirituality. It affects your heart. And so no matter what you try to do, oh man, the arrow's always going to the right. Man, always going to the right. Come on, man. <laughs> fix the bow. God said, no, fix your heart. Fix your heart. And then fix your face. Okay, anyway. Amen. <laughs> <Hey, man. laughs> so, so here's the solution. Here's the solution. All right? The solution to anger is forgiveness. You have to Forgive. You can't bypass it. You can't hop over it. You can't pretend. You can't hide from it. You got to forgive. Oh, man, I want to forgive. <laughs> you got to forgive. For if the Bible tells in Matthew 6, where if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. You know, when I, uh, uh, I pastored at a mega church in Hawaii, one of the largest churches in Hawaii, 17 years, and my leaving the church was a bit of a bit of a, a awkward situation. And, and 
part of me coming here seven years ago when Pastor Ken was still here was I came here before I started our church and launched our church. And there were so many things being, being said um, about me that when all you hear is half-truth or one side of the story, you don't get the full picture. You guys understand what I'm saying? And one of the things that God had told me, had showed me, was this message right here. He said, Joe, if your heart becomes hardened and closed, the heavens will be closed unto you, and your church will not be blessed. So when you leave, no matter what is being said, you shut your mouth. And you never use social media or anything to speak back. And so I got, there are things that have been said, because I still had a lot of friends there that were said about me that, that I, you know, the ghetto boy in me just wants to say, what, what was that, man? What was that? What, what you said? <laughs> and I, I would type up these, defend myself on Facebook, and I would try to come up with something and as soon as I'm ready to press the send button, God said, you send, you send that message of resentment and bitterness and hatred, and you will be on your own, and I will back off. But if you will erase that, I will be your defender. And since then, I, my wife and I have chosen to never use our pulpit, to never use any way of communication to try to defend ourselves. The neatest thing is that many things were said, but God began to bless our church. God, we had zero dollars to start our church. We could not rent any place because we had zero dollars. But just before we started, Friends, since $25,000, hey, we believe in the call of God in your life. Another friend sends another $25,000. We believe in your church. Another friend sends another $20,000. Before we even started our first service, over almost $100,000 in the bank. How's that happen? Open heart, open heaven. And you know the neatest thing is that... <laughs> Several months ago at a funeral, my, my pastor, I went to go and pay, pay respects to one of our uh, former church members that when I was part of the church, and our pastor was there. And the neatest thing is I went there, and I, I waited for him, gave him a big hug, and I wrote a book, and in my book this past I wrote about eight of my mentors. And he was one of my key mentors. In fact, he had the biggest chapter, and all I did was honor the man of God in my life. I asked my wife, I asked all my friends, I said, Pat, just read this. If you sense any hatred, you let me know and I will change it. And as a result, my pastor comes up to me and says, Joe, thank you for what you wrote. I totally enjoyed that book. And we gave such a big hug. See, God is true. That when you walk in forgiveness, come on somebody, right? You keep your heart right. God makes things right. It's so easy for us to get distracted by other things, but keep your heart right. Amen, somebody. Walk in forgiveness. Tell the person next to you. I think he's talking about the guy behind us right now. <laughs> amen. Amen, amen. You guys getting something? All right, okay. Number three, number three. Okay, does my life reflect a heart of greed? Does my life reflect a heart of greed? 
See, many of us don't realize that sometimes uh, I grew up in the hood. And I didn't realize, because I used to always say, man, all those rich people, they're all greedy, man. They're all greedy. They're very greedy. They're all, I, ooh. <laughs> and and uh, you know what? You know, you know what? I come to find out some of these rich people are the most generous people in the world. And I've come to find out some of us in the ghetto are probably the most selfish people and greedy people in the world. I didn't realize that. No, I'm talking to me. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to me. And I had to learn how to give, right? I had to learn how to be generous, especially when I got born again and tell me that I got to give 10% of my, what? <laughs> Say what? <laughs> I, I got to pay some bills, man, right? What? I was asking for an offering, man. And I've come to realize, man, <laughs> We, we've been obedient tithers for maybe 30 years now. And I got to tell you, it wasn't an overnight magical thing. But as we stayed consistent, we didn't have the money to put three of our girls into college. But all three of them went to college. Come on, somebody. They, we didn't have money to put them into private school, but they all went to private school. We, we, there's so many things that we could not have done on our own, but God somehow makes it happen. Right? And so, it's so funny because with all our speaking engagements, our church growing, and uh, uh, he was like, uh, Pastor Joe, man, you know that old Honda Pilot that you drive? Maybe it's time for an upgrade. I go, what do you mean an upgrade? And my daughter goes, Dad, it's time to get some of those big rims and big, I said, hey, listen, my Honda Pilot has been paid off for 10 years. I ain't going to buy no more car. I love my car, right? One of the things that we challenged ourselves to do in, our, in selling our, our book, our first book, is we said, honey, this first book, we're going to dedicate it to the Lord. We want the Lord to know that whatever the prophets is, we're going to send it back into missions because we want God to know that we so love him and appreciate him. But you know what it was really for? It wasn't really more for God. It was really more for us. Said, Joe, no matter how prosperous you get, you're going to give. And you know the neat thing? Even it's a, so after we, we sold some pretty good amount of books, and, you know, it's so neat to be able to see. I said, honey, look how much money we're giving to missions. <laughs> right? Look, your flesh, my, my flesh is just like your flesh. I want some of that money. I, I could use some of that money. Maybe I do need some big rims and a nice car. <laughs> but I want, because our flesh and our brokenness can be very uh, stingy, man, sometimes it's good to exercise your faith. Says, you know what, I'm going to tithe because I'm going to tell my flesh you're not going to be greedy. Tell the person next to you, I think now we're talking about the guys all the way in the front. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> so what's the solution? What's the solution to, to greed? Give. 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 Okay, I don't know if we're getting scriptures up there, but no? Okay, get the scriptures and we're going to move on because i got to finish this. All right. Am I, next question, number four. Am I jealous of others? Am I jealous of others? Oh, now I'm really stepping on some toes here. But it's okay because God will go heal your toes. Am I jealous of others? Because here's, here's the thing. 
that we, are, we face. Lord, I've been part of the church for so many years, and man, I, I still live in the same place. I still drive, drive the car. I'm still catching the bus. And man, those people over there, man, they just started coming. And look at all the, the new jobs they get. And come on, somebody. You know, even, even Fife Owls and preachers can be like that too, right? Oh, man, look at the new building they have. <laughs> Did you hear? Their church is meeting in that new building. Did you hear? Their church is over a 1,000 people now. Oh, that's because, uh, you know, they're stealing people from all the other churches. <laughs> Am I, am I, I'm just trying to be real here, right? We all face that. We all are vulnerable to being jealous, right? I, I know, you know, most of my friends um, in Hawaii, pastor friends, they're all mega church pastors. And we, we, you, our church is growing, but we're not mega church. And, and, you know, it's easy to get to the place where you start feeling insecure, Right? It's the same, you know, it's funny because when I was competing in world strongman competitions and doing a lot of weightlifting stuff, um, you know, guys are so funny, right? Guys are like, you know, we walk into the gym and we see somebody lifting something heavy and, you know, we're supposed to work on another body part, but because that guy's working, doing a lot of stuff, you want to go show that person who's the man. So you change your entire workout because you want to show this guy that I'm stronger than you, Right? You know, it's funny, I, my last competition was 20 years ago, and I still feel the same way. And my body don't look nearly what it looked 20 years ago. And I, but the pride still rises up. And I got to look myself in the mirror, dude, you're old now. <laughs> you're all good. You've been there, done that. Let the young kids do their thing, Right? But still, man, I have to deal with this pride issue that wants to rise up and get jealous. Oh, man, he's trying to brag that he's bench pressing 400 pounds. Man, I used to warm up with that stuff, man. <laughs> I used to warm up with that stuff. And, I, and I, guys, that's how guys are. But girls, I have three daughters. And I know how girls can be the worst. You know, girls... <laughs> I come to realize that girls don't really dress up to impress men. They actually dress up to impress other women. Because you know how women are, if you walk in with your nice clothes, they're like, them shoes don't even match those earrings. Look at that man, those lipsticks were done 1952. Look at them earrings dangling all the way down to the ground. I mean, it, uh, trust me, I, my girls were athletes and they were beautiful girls. And, and the funny thing is that, man, they were the most nastiest athletes. When it came to, I never watched female sports until my daughters became athletes. Then I went to watch their sports. Man, they pull hair, they scratch, they hit elbow, knee. I, and then I watched rugby, women's rugby, especially the Kiwis. Man, you guys are nasty, man. You guys hit harder than men, <laughs> right? But see, we deal with this area in our lives called jealousy. Come on, somebody. Everybody say jealousy. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every evil practice. The solution to that is contentment. Just be content with where you're at. Be content with who you are. You're not going to be the other person. You don't have to be the other person. Be happy with who God made you to be. 
Come on, somebody. You don't have to try to impress everybody. Man, just, just be content with who you are. Amen. Don't have to try to impress people. And, that, you know, and that's something that you constantly have to wrestle with. Even as a pastor, I love the way our church is growing, but I have to constantly contend with my flesh that wants to say, man, I want to be the biggest church in Hawaii. And I have to say, flesh, shut up. <laughs> shut up. You know why? Because if I'm like that, I'm never going to enjoy the people that God has placed in our church now. I'm going to constantly be looking over the fence like, man, I wish I had that. Man, I wish I had that. No, be happy with where you're at now. Last point, last point, and we're out. You guys getting something out of this? Do I live life in fear of uncertainties? Fear can grip the heart and cause you to make decisions that are not of God. When you become fearful and you panic and you don't trust God, we can make some decisions that are totally off the world of God, off-centered. And that's why we're going to make sure that we don't allow fear. Fear comes to all of us. It does. But we cannot allow fear to dominate our lives. Come on, somebody. Right? Fear cannot dominate. So do not uh, fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Don't allow fear to dominate you. Instead, dominate fear with your faith. Come on, somebody. But most of all, with love. The solution to fear is love. 1 John chapter 4 said, love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. So I realize that, man, if I'm walking in fear, I've got to allow God to perfect his love for me. And my perspective needs to change. And I need to say, man, you know what? My God loves me. He's got my best interest in mind. God, it's your will. Come on, somebody. God, you're in control. And that's where we, you know, I remember years ago I met um, Pastor Ulu. We were in, uh, in Malaysia. And I got to tell you, we were in the Philippines before that, and we jumped on Malaysian Airlines. And I got to tell you, the, the, that two weeks before that, there were two Malaysian Airlines that crashed. One of them, they still have not found to this day. And so when we, when I, I turned to my friend, Pastor Sam and Nancy Webb, I said, so what airlines are we flying? Oh, oh, I think we're flying Malaysian. What? <laughs> Do you know what just happened a couple weeks ago? And of course we went there, Korean airlines was packed. Philippine airlines was packed. The lines were long out the window. And the Malaysian airline, nobody. And I'm like, you know that we're the only ones flying Malaysian air? Oh, but it was very cheap. Cheap! I don't care about cheap. I'll pay double the price. <laughs> so I can fly on those airlines. I got to tell you, I, I got on a plane, and I was praying in my heavenly language the entire trip. The good thing is we had a lot of space. Well, man, I had to remind myself of the goodness of God. Say, God, I thank you that you love me. Thank you, Lord God, that you're good. Thank you, Lord God, that you have a purpose and plan in my life. And I thank you, Lord God, that your will be done. And man, the peace of God began to just dominate my heart and mind where I fell asleep. Man, 
Yeah, only because I didn't sleep that much the night before. So anyway, but, uh, but, but I got to tell you, uh, the love, your love of God has to be perfected in us. Father, I thank you so much.